Hello, I'm Harriet Smith and welcome to Dietitian Cafe, where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. This is a special episode inspired by a recent article in the Daily Mail, which branded dietitians amongst other healthcare professions as opportunistic and non-essential. This was after calling on the government to give NHS staff a pay rise after months of fighting the coronavirus pandemic and years of pay freezes. The British Dietetic Association hit back at the article, stating that they categorically reject these assertions and call on the mail to retract their story until they better understand the vital work of dietitians in the pandemic, as well as across, across healthcare sectors. Here at the Dietitian Cafe, we've been absolutely overwhelmed by the response from fellow dietitians, who are quite rightly keen to speak up on our podcast to champion the work of our profession. We'll be sharing your own personal experiences as dietitians in a follow-on episode, but in this part one episode, we're absolutely delighted to be joined by the Chief Executive of the British Dietetic Association, Andy Berman, alongside the Chairman of the BDA, Caroline Bovey. Welcome to you both, and thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you, Harriet. So let's dive straight on into the questions. I'd like to come to you first, Caroline. What was your initial thoughts and reactions after reading the article um, back on the 9th of November in the Daily Mail? Really, we were in the middle of, or just coming to the end of our most recent board of directors meeting when uh, Andy, under any other business, drew our attention to the article. So I didn't see it firsthand. Um, it, it came to me um, via that bit of information. And I think, you know, my jaw dropped. Um, like many other dietitians, I think the uh, the initial response was probably um, rather incredulous, um, certainly disappointed, uh, almost a feeling I think of um, immediately and momentarily possibly some resignation about here we go again. You know, some media sources. Uh, take a particular view on the NHS and you do hear that repeated via their outlets on a regular basis. But I think what really impressed me was the sort of grassroots response from our membership um, and you know the, the way that they joined in that conversation online and tweeted about their experiences of COVID and being on the front line um, and certainly not classing themselves as was termed within that article as non-essential NHS workers. Absolutely. And like I said earlier, we're looking forward to featuring some of those stories of dietitians who've been working so tirelessly on the front line during the pandemic. Andy, we were really pleased to see the BDA response on your website. I'm wondering, how was this received by fellow BDA members? I think it was really well received. Um, we reckon that uh, the series of tweets that the comms team put together uh, with the evidence and the images that everybody saw, uh, which was a fantastic way of showcasing what dietitians are actually doing uh, during COVID, uh, that was the second highest retweet of all time for the BDA. So to show the evidence that people have picked up on it and run with the story, not just us, but lots of other people uh, did too. Uh, and so many people have commented that they appreciated the fact that we jumped in there straight away. Uh, it's not something we normally do. Uh, our normal response is not to react to media reports in this way, but to actually focus on our story, what we want to say. But in this particular case, clearly uh, such a negative and damaging attack, and one that was so incorrect, 
correct, factually incorrect, is one that we felt we had to address straight away. And I really do think that the, the response we had from members uh, and indeed people outside the profession was fantastic. Um, and Andy, I think a lot of BDA members will be thinking um, and wondering, what will the BDA be doing off, off the back of this article? What, what are the next steps that are planned? Are you able to share anything about that? Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it was a little disappointing, um, particularly because the Daily Mail is, is one newspapers where we have, uh, over recent years, had some pretty good relationships built up. Uh, the difficulty is always different journalists are prepared to put their own particular spin and come up with a news story that may not necessarily be fact-based. Uh, but we keep uh, chipping away at that and we'll always keep away, uh, keep chipping away at particular journalists that we come into contact with, the new journalists. Uh, and the next steps include making sure that we engage with all our journalist contacts to make sure that we've got positive news stories. If they want to know more about the BDA, come and talk to us. And we've put offers out to this particular journalist uh, and indeed others to say, if you want to come along and shadow dietitians to see what dietitians actually do we're really happy to make that happen so that you actually are going into a new story knowing what the profession do um, we're yet to see whether the journalists will take us up on that offer uh, fingers crossed they will um, but I think there's there's a really positive sign that many journalists are actually interested in working with us and collaborating with us rather than just doing something like this, which is designed just to grab a few attention uh, headlines just for a day or so. Absolutely. And actually, um, in one of the first sentences in the article, Caroline, they talk about dietitians and I quote, they describe dietitians as being non-essential NHS workers who've been left twiddling their thumbs for the better part of a year. Um, as a dietitian yourself, what would you say in response to that claim that dietitians are non-essential? This is a really good point. And just to park dietitians as a profession for one moment and think of the NHS as a whole. So when we see media headlines, we see frequently doctors and nurses headlined and much of the emphasis because it, those two roles are better understood maybe than than other areas of uh, NHS staffing that's what hits the headlines but the NHS is a massive organization uh, you know it's a, a, almost a symbiotic um, body of individuals coming together for the greater good of patient care and we can't ignore or try to lessen any single one of those areas of work to bring that back to dietetics, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to quote our very um, much loved colleague here in Wales, uh, uh, who's well known to, to many dietitians across the profession. And Judith Jenkins would always open a conversation about dietetics by saying, uh, people do not understand well enough that without dietitians, any other treatment is lessened. So when we go into an area of practice, whether that is in industry, in manufacturing, in public health, primary care, all the way through to ICU, without a dietitian in the team, the impact of any intervention is lessened. So if you don't maximise and optimise on nutritional status, then everything else is less effective. 
And I think that for us is our, you know, in, in lay terms, unique selling point. Many, many people think that they know a lot about nutrition. There are certainly some excellent non-dietetic nutrition and practitioners out there, but it is that dietetic view on nutrition that impacts so considerably on patient, um, uh, patient outcomes. Definitely. And I know the BDA have been doing a lot of champion, championing of the profession during the pandemic. There have been some examples of dietitians awarded MBEs, for example, the new critical care guidelines. Are there any sort of achievements over the last few months that really stand out to you, Caroline? I think certainly that opportunity that has been seized by uh, dietitians working in all sorts of different areas of practice in terms of uh, taking the opportunity to talk about how their particular roles and their expertise can add to outcomes in COVID. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've had, um, and Andy can give you a bit more information about this, lots of calls from associations across the world in terms of our media presence and how that has helped with population-based understanding of nutrition in relate, relation to COVID. Uh, we've had a lot of focus on malnutrition in the broader aspect, but also again, bringing that back to uh, the impact of the virus. And it has been really rewarding to see that the investment that the association has put in in recent years uh, particularly in supporting its membership to become more confident in speaking in public areas to become more confident in using social media and to not accept the uh, misinformation that's been out there this has given many people a really helpful platform to promote the profession and the benefit of using dietitians. In the article, Andy, it talks about um, dietitians and other um, health professionals suffering from burnout and poor well-being. Do you believe that this is an issue amongst dietitians at the moment? And if yes, what are the BDA able to do about this? I think that's absolutely correct. Uh, it's not just about dietitians, obviously. Uh, anybody working in the NHS currently is, is going to be experiencing this. Uh, and it is entirely genuine. Uh, there are some really heartbreaking stories of the impact that it has on uh, NHS staff. Um, and there's a lot going on, um, but I think we need to recognise that this is an employment issue, that it's the responsibility of employers to tackle this. And the role of the BDA is actually supporting members through our trade union, for example, in bringing this to employers' attention. So we've got a, a very extensive network of trade union reps. Uh, we work collaboratively across all the trade union uh, sister unions in the health sector. So for a lot of the work that we do, we don't do it unilaterally. We do it as a, a collaboration between unions. And that's the strength of the trade union movement. Actually, if we're talking about burnout, if we're talking about well-being, then we're better dealing with that right across the whole of the NHS uh, employment group. So we're better placed than, than any other 
professional body uh, to be able to support our members. But we need to know what's happening on the ground. We need members to go to their local rep to address some of the concerns that they have because we can support the local reps through campaigns, through the advice that they need to actually ensure that employers do something about this because it is a very real problem. It's not going away. It's going to be with us for some time, even with the vaccine, fingers crossed, coming on stream fairly soon. This is still going to be months and months uh, that people are going to have to work with this. So uh, we've got an awful lot of work to do, uh, but it's not just us working alone. We do it uh, as a collaboration. Um, and building on your point there, um, I saw in the BDA newsletter yesterday that you mentioned the hashtag with NHS staff campaign. Can you tell us a bit more about that and where we're at in terms of campaigning for a pay rise for NHS staff? Uh, well, the, the Chancellor, uh, when we're recording this particular podcast, the Chancellor is due to speak next week uh, with the, uh, the budget forecast. Uh, we're campaigning hard to make sure that there is going to be uh, a pay award uh, for NHS staff. We're coming to the end uh, of the pay award for uh, for for dietitians. Uh, so everybody's got a vested interest in all the employment groups within the NHS and across the public sector. There's going to be a huge amount of pressure put on the government through the trade union movement to make sure that uh, there is a pay award this year. Um, fingers crossed there will be a satisfactory resolution. We do not want to go back to the situation where we're having to come back out to ballot members about industrial action. That would be just so damaging and so negative, particularly in the current environment. Uh, but behind the scenes, there's an awful lot of lobbying going on uh, between the unions, the backbenchers, uh, and the opposition bench uh, parliamentarians to ensure that this is resolved without it becoming a public issue. Thank you. Now, going back to what we were talking about in the Daily Mail article, um, Caroline, this isn't the first Daily Mail article in the last year that's criticised dietitians, unfortunately. Earlier in the year, a Daily Mail reporter criticised three high-profile dietitians for working with food brands and subsequently reported them to the professional regulator, the HCPC. I should mention that all three dietitians have had their cases overturned and they're still registered as dietitians with the HCPC. Why do you think our profession has been under so much scrutiny recently, Caroline, and what can we do about this? I don't think this is anything new. I think we're constantly um, challenged from, uh, from within a very busy field around food and nutrition knowledge and practice. Uh, certainly that was uh, a lot of challenge within a very short period of time and, and targeting some particular individuals. We work very closely with HCPC um, in terms of our understanding of where they see the boundaries. And they've been quite clear in recent months that uh, the boundary isn't a fixed space. So with evolving practice, we do have to keep evaluating uh, the way that we practice. We have to understand the market more openly. We have to understand the, the um, boundaries of practice. And it's natural, I think, that at various times that will be taken to HCPC. It's unpleasant for those involved, but that's how we advance 
um, our understanding of what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable within practice. But HCPC has issued a few statements recently that really supports the work of dietitians. Um, and I haven't seen the particular outcomes of those cases that you mentioned, but I've seen previous ones where they have said, uh, you know, we want dietitians to work in industry. They are more than capable of working in that area and it shouldn't compromise their ability to practice safely and ethically uh, within a certain field of boundaries. I know Andy, is, as someone who's got a very strong interest in regulation, I wondered if there's anything you wanted to, to add to that. Mm. I think you're absolutely right, Caroline. Uh, this is not new. Um, I think this is partly uh, because of this huge interest and relevance of food and nutrition to everybody. Uh, which is a strength, of course, from the point of view of dietetics profession uh, and its relevance, but also a weakness because everyone's got an opinion uh, and everybody feels able to express that, that opinion uh, and to feel that they're right. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're evidence-based or that they are indeed correct. Um, I don't think there's anything to be scared of from the point of view of, uh, of, of challenge, uh, as long as that challenge is done in the correct way. Uh, and the HCPC is just one form of challenge. We were always confident that that case was never going to go anywhere. Uh, we supported those members uh, and that, that was borne out. Um, so I, I think the focus we need to have, and indeed all BDA members should have, is actually about the positive messages. Uh, there's, there's a great selling point for all dietitians and they shouldn't be afraid to speak out and express an opinion because the vast majority of dietitians are clearly going to use the evidence base to support that opinion uh, and the comments that they make, which is obviously much better than the vast majority of uh, social media commentary that we see from time to time. Absolutely. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand the BDA are actually in the process of creating some guidance for dietitians who work in industry and with brands. Is that correct? Uh, that, that's correct. We've always had, for a long time, we've had social media guidance. Uh, that's always been available. And we encourage members to, to review and follow that. Uh, but we will be working on further guidance uh, and updating that uh, fairly soon. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Caroline, we've got Brexit, a hard Brexit potentially, and a, a nationwide recession, unfortunately, on the horizon for 2021. Um, Dietitians are understandably concerned about NHS funding cuts, reduced student placement opportunities, uh, less opportunities for academia and research, and even loss of jobs. What do you think the future of dietetics holds? Certainly, we are seeing trends that indicate the opposite of the, uh, the concerns that you're um, articulating there. So we're seeing a demand, in, um, sorry, an increase in demand for dietetics. Uh, we're looking at increased uh, training numbers, um, placement uh, difficulties, yes, nonetheless, uh, but certainly it is well within the work plan of uh, the association to look at how we can creatively improve on uh, placement opportunities. And we're working with H Health Education England as well to, uh, to improve their understanding of, of what clinical placements for dietetics should look like. So yes, financial pressures will come and they will be considerable in the next few years. Our job as an association is to ensure that our membership is able to uh, 
keep their profile high in the marketplace to ensure that everyone understands the necessity to have dietitians within the team. Um, and I'm sure we will see some areas of movement. So, you know, we know long COVID is not going to go away anytime soon. We need investment in that area, which may for some mean disinvestment elsewhere because we know that the, you know, the, the saying that there's no magical money tree uh, is undoubtedly uh, going to, to raise its head again and that might mean some shifts in practice but certainly we will be pushing for expansion of practice um, and that appears at this point to be very welcome with the stakeholders that we are um, influencing currently. I think certainly one of the things that in my time with the association I've noticed has changed radically is our ability to influence stakeholders and those stakeholders are now extensive in um, in terms of who we're able to talk to and who we're able to get our messages across so we're now regularly talking to politicians regularly talking across all four nations indeed uh, regularly talking to government we're talking to industry we are you know working very closely with the HEIs not just with uh, those who are providers of pre-registration courses but also in the wider context um, in terms of uh, raising the profile of dietetic input through training doctors, for example. So we're, we're getting um, many more footholds and many more areas of influence. And every time we engage in that way, we are raising the profile of the profession. Thank you, Caroline. Andy, do you have anything to add on that matter? Uh, I'd just echo um, Caroline's comments. I think uh, dietetics is still a growth profession. Um, there are still huge opportunities. There are lots of challenges, yes, um, but we are doing more and more um, behind the scenes from the point of view of working with stakeholders uh, and increasing the, the influence and the impact that we have. Uh, we've had really great discussions about how we tackle that, as Caroline has, has indicated, uh, over the past few weeks uh, alone. Um, but there's, there's, I think the future still looks very positive. Uh, I'm still very positive for, for the BDA and for the profession. Uh, I know it's tough times, um, but I've seen a huge, a lot, a huge amount of adaptation and ingenuity by our members. And the fact that they've been able to move into different areas and to take the, the knowledge and the skills that they have and to be able to adapt them in different roles and different environments. Uh, I think that says an awful lot about uh, the, uh, the strategy that uh, individual dietitians have. I think it's really, really positive. Thank you. Is there anything else that you both like to add to our listeners who are mainly dietitians um, in relation to the article, the pandemic? Do you have any sort of advice or a final note you'd like to add? I think really just to, to reiterate some of the, the messages that we've um, um, spoken about today in terms of the growing confidence of the, the membership. Uh, I, I was very proud, I have to say, of the way that the, the majority of our members who responded to the Daily Mail article um, remained 100% professional. They didn't buy into an argument over this. They stated their position. They clearly described the importance of their roles, the function of dietetics um, within the NHS and many others speaking about experience of working elsewhere 
but nonetheless how that fed into the to the um, pandemic situation. So I think we we're growing in confidence as a membership and I would like to see that continue. Uh, certainly the work around um, being clearer in terms of training on social media, uh, ensuring that our curriculum, our newly launched curriculum features the fact that this is now a very varied profession that isn't just about dietitians working in hospitals, that there is a vast variety of opportunities out there. And we will continue to see that, uh, that range of opportunities growing as well. So I think um, the opportunity for leadership within the profession and from without the profession, so we're seeing many uh, dietitians moving into AHP leadership roles, for example, which is, uh, again, you know, an opportunity to influence elsewhere for the profession. Um, so this has been the most challenging period of time that we could ever have imagined, but it has nonetheless given us back much more than we could have anticipated, I think. Thank you, Caroline. Andy, any last words from yourself? Uh, I think the only thing I'd add for uh, any BDA members who are listening is um, this is your profession, your professional association. Um, and the question you may have is what's the BDA doing about whatever it is that you're concerned about? But actually, the question should be what can I do about that particular concern? We want members to become more involved and active in the BDA because together, the more active members there are, the greater the opportunity there is to create positive change. So uh, if people are listening and they want to do something, no matter how small it is, then come and talk to us, contact the office, contact Caroline or myself um, and just have a chat about what interests you. Uh, we'd really like to hear from you uh, because there is a place for you in the BDA and we can find that place for you and together uh, the BDA gets stronger. Brilliant, thank you Andy and we can certainly include your contact details in the show notes as well so that people can get in touch with you both. Um, thank you very much for your time today and for joining us on the Dietitian Cafe. Part two of this episode will be coming soon where we'll be speaking to dietitians themselves to share their own experiences of working during the COVID uh, pandemic and beyond. We'll link to both the Daily Mail article and the BDA statements in our show notes. And in the meantime, I hope you take care of yourselves and we'll see you very soon. Thank you.